Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Diving Into the End Zone. Dominic Garbolino here, Alex Warner. We missed out on a lot. We got a lot to talk about because, you know, we didn't have a show last week, but then pretty much we kept, we're doing it on a Monday today because we thought this could be a new way to do it. We can really wrap up the pretty much everything that happened on Sunday, maybe, you know, preview the Monday night game. Get the weekend wraps, you know, a nice little schedule maybe. But the thing is, is that we have a lot to talk about because there's a lot of news that's going on in the NFL right now. Yep, a lot half hap- the league has COVID. Yeah, I was going to say, a lot happening with COVID. And then, you know, because of COVID, some players, I mean, some teams have to move places. We'll really get into it. We'll break it all down. But I just want to remind everybody, again, if you haven't already, you can follow us on Twitter at Diving Into The End Zone. And then our email, if you want to reach out, is diving into the end zone at gmail.com. Still haven't received any emails. I've been checking in. So if you, you know, again, want to get on that, just make sure to try to get in during the middle of the week so that by the time we record on Mondays or whenever we decide to do it, we'll be able to bring up your questions and talk about it as you would like to hear. So let's start out with this episode. We'll start out with Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Probably the most controversial thing going on in the NFL right now. And it starts with. Thanksgiving Day. The Thanksgiving schedule, like always, is always three games. There's the early 12 o'clock game, 12.30 game. So you have 12.30, 4 o'clock, and the primetime game at 8 o'clock. Unfortunately, this Thanksgiving, you're only able to watch two games because the primetime game got canceled between the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that's because Baltimore, it's safe to say, they had a little bit of a COVID outbreak. They've had like four COVID outbreaks in the last week. And it's getting kind of ridiculous. The special treatment they're getting this week is kind of uh, ridiculous, to say the least. I mean, you look at the, the Broncos had to play with the practice squad wide receiver at their quarterback. To like two or three weeks ago, the 49ers, I mean, yeah, they had a lot of normal injuries to begin with. But because of injuries and COVID, had to play a Thursday night game, just like the Ravens had scheduled, with half their team injured half their team on the COVID list, and they pretty much played with the practice squad team. It did not look good. Like, there was a stat during the game that 95% of their offensive production was not able to play for them that game. And they had to play that game. But the Ravens are getting a second chance. They're getting a third chance. And they're getting a fourth chance. They just keep moving back this game. It's ridiculous. I mean, the main reason also that you have to look into it is the reason why they're moving back the game is because of if the game gets postponed, right? The Ravens would take the loss strictly because it's really their fault that this game wouldn't be happening. But the Pittsburgh Steelers technically are losing out on a lot too because the players that are involved in that game do not get paid for that game. So that's the reason that the NFL is trying to push this game back and make it happen. Because originally from Thursday, it was pushed back until, what, it was Sunday? Thursday to Sunday and then the and Monday to- and the Tuesday... Yeah, it was Sunday and to Tuesday, Wednesday. and now, yeah, now out of all crazy things that happen, it's going to be on Wednesday in the afternoon. Though kickoff is at three forty p.m. because NBC, which is where it's airing, has coverage of the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree lighting yeah. that they have to get to at seven o'clock. And I mean, I think uh, I was going to say something, but I lost track. It was like, uh, yeah, the NFL they we we've, they voted on the week eighteen a couple of weeks ago, and they it seems like they really really don't want to use it. They keep pushing this back. The game's back on Wednesday now, which is literally a day before next week would have started. 
Like, what's the point of voting on the 18th week if you're so reluctant to use it? Like, just push the playoffs back one week, reschedule this game entirely, entirely, and just keep moving on with the NFL season. That's the whole point of the extra week, so that you have this buffer zone. Yeah, and I think that's something that maybe after this whole situation get Well, first off, if they somehow are not able to play on Wednesday, you will definitely see that happen, I think, because there's no way you can keep pushing it back any longer, because then you're just going into the next week of football, and that is just too much. Because eventually, the Ravens and Steelers are going to have to play another team again. So it's just a matter of, you know, when they're going to figure this thing out. But I think after the way the NFL and Goodell handled handled this situation, I think that if this was to happen in the next coming weeks, you'll see that rule really take, you know, it's going to be in effect because this was really a huge issue that started all because of one Baltimore Ravens staff employee. You know, he he felt symptoms, but he didn't share anything. That's just dumb. But I mean, you should get fired for that. I mean, yeah, I mean, he definitely should. But, I mean, if you're wearing your mask and you're socially distancing, nobody's going to, you know, it's, there's no outbreaks. You know, there's been plenty of teams this year that have one or two positive isolated tests, and that's how it should be. But you're not following the guidelines, following the protocols, and you're not taking it seriously. Exactly what happened to the Ravens is going to happen. Yeah, it's just like my whole thing is like, okay, I understand. Like, one, one thing is that if you're feeling – you know, you have symptoms, you should always come out and say something, and, you know, there's no really reason to be embarrassed of testing positive for COVID-19, because it's like, there's nothing you should be ashamed yeah. of. It's, it, you know... So it's, many people have gotten it, so many people are going to get it, it's not a big... It's and not it's not like it's, like, you know, comparable to, like, a like an embarrassing type of disease to have, you know, something along the lines of, if we're going to bring this up, like an STD or something, you know? Like, it's not like you're not going to share it because <laughs> it's embarrassing, like, it's not, it's not that type of situation here. So, really, that Ravens employee should have just said something. Like, I don't care if you're wearing a mask. If you ha- feel like you have symptoms, you need to say something because then you're putting the whole risk at team, and clearly it's showing. Because to start out, you had Brandon Williams, the defensive tackle, and then Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins. They are the first three to test positive. There was four other staff members, and then it just kept on going along. I think they have, like, yeah. at least 19 players on the COVID-19 reserve list right now, which is insane. And, I mean, and you look at the Broncos, how they had all their quarterbacks out because they were close contact. They were in, you know, whatever, yada, yada. But you look at the Ravens, and it's there every single position. You know, it's every coaches, it's players, the quarterbacks, offense, defense, the line, the receivers. It's everybody. So, clearly, there's something in terms of the protocols and whatnot they're doing over there. They're not doing something right. Um, because this is a big outbreak. It's not just one or two isolated tests or even one or two isolated position groups. It's yeah. just the whole whole team, the whole organization, whoever's in the building seems to be getting it right now. And to go back, and just in terms of what that employee caused for this whole team, not only this game being pushed back and all this, you know, all, all these problems occurring from it, but let's not forget, it's also affecting the Ravens not only just because of their health, but also just a game plan strategy. You know, Lamar Jackson rating MVP tested positive so now you have to develop your game plan around your back of quarterback who is RG3 who has a similar play style to Lamar so it's like not maybe not at his level anymore but similar in a way that okay it's not affected too much but all these players you know you're looking at the second and third string guys who haven't had much reps and now you're relying on them to get a key win against Pittsburgh you know this is probably one of the biggest games for Baltimore this year you know, yeah. to possibly take down the undefeated Steelers and maybe get a slight advantage in your division if you can go on a win streak. But instead, I mean, they're just messing everything up. Just looking at the Steelers' schedule, I don't think anybody else has a chance for that division right now. You know, I mean, I agree. Obviously, but. one or two losses 
you know, can cost them the first seed potentially to the Chiefs, who don't look like they're going to lose again. But, I mean, look at the Ravens. Obviously, you want to beat your division rival, but they're holding on, they're holding on to not the second, but the third playoff spot right now. So they, they really need to keep winning to keep this thing going because they obviously do not look like the team they looked like last year. They've shown signs and glimpses against some of the lesser teams in our league, but they're they're very much so holding on to the last playoff spot, and they need to play much better down the stretch. That starts with beating the Steelers. If you can beat the Steelers, you know you prove to the league. You know, all right, they're not they're not regressing. They're the same team they were last year, possibly. Yeah, and you look at them compared to last year. They're just obviously playing worse, and I think it really has to come down to that a lot of the NFL defenses, like everybody, really expected that they would eventually would figure out Lamar Jackson and his right. play style and. Pretty much how they just strictly build that offense around him, as they should. But the thing is, is that once the Tennessee Titans and Mike Rabel kind of destroyed them in the playoffs, every team that would have to play, you know, the Ravens going forward is going to watch that game in in, in, in tape in the tape rooms, and they're gonna see exactly what they did and build their defensive strategy off of that. And right. it's clearly it's working this year because a lot, you know, they don't they just don't look the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you gotta make Lamar. Obviously, it's. There's been a lot of debate whether he's a good passer or not, but you gotta you gotta make him throw. Sometimes he looks good, sometimes he looks horrible, and that's the thing. You know he could beat you with his legs one way or the other, so you gotta make him beat you with the arm. Yeah, I would, exactly. I was gonna say we all know he has the playmaking ability with his legs. He could do it, but the, it's just a matter of can he make these tight throws or you know when he needs to get a uh, fourth and five conversion, even something like that. If he was forced to throw the ball, that's really what. You're looking to see some, you know, some progress out of Lamar there. You want to see that definitely if you're a Baltimore Ravens fan. But you know, for me right now, I'm just really hoping this game gets played. You know, strictly to just kind of let the NFL get over this hump that they were in. But then also for fantasy reasons too. Just looking at it for fantasy football. You know, if you're luckily the league that we're in together, we have a plan that allows us to create a sub situation where if that player doesn't play because of it being postponed, then, you know, you'll be able to get the points of whatever that sub scored. So thankfully, that's like a good scenario, and hopefully other leagues have that, but, you know, not all fantasy football leagues care that much or care about their, you know, the other teams in it, so they might even have not even have that situation. So it kind of, I know the NFL doesn't care about fantasy football. I'm sure Goodell doesn't, is not thinking, oh man, this is really messing up a lot of fantasy football teams right now. But Especially it's still, around the football playoffs, you know? Yeah, exactly. But in terms of just something that, like, Universally, you know, we we play fantasy football. A lot of people do. It's something that a lot of sports shows talk about to bring up. It's really unfortunate if you have some of these players. For me, I have Deontay Johnson in a key matchup where I've been, I lost two straight. I need this win to make the playoffs. I'm versing a team that's also six and five. He has Claypool, so it's a situation that could really hurt us going forward. And hopefully, for any listeners out there, you know, if you're in this situation, hopefully it comes out easier. And you know, or you you're not even. You don't even have one of these players, but we'll, we'll see what have, happens. Or hopefully, you have you have Tyree Kill. <laughs> yeah, Tyree Kill putting up fifty nine points. Antonio Gibson fifty six. Fifty six. Insane, insane. And of course, I was versing him in another league. Alex is lucky to have him in one league. Yeah. So, my whole thing too, just if you, it's quickly to bring up that game. Because obviously it was a great matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, I wouldn't say it was a great matchup. It was a close score, but wasn't that close throughout the game. I mean, I think in terms of just like popularity of Mahomes versus Brady. Even though we all know Mahomes wins that matchup 9 out of 10 because, you know, he's Mahomes is just superior now. Mm-hmm. But 
just going off the name brand of the matchup, you know, I was watching the game, and I'm obviously watching Tyreek Hill destroy everybody. Why did they keep going with man-to-man coverage? Why didn't they give the cornerback any safety help? No one can keep up with Tyreek Hill in this league. He's the fastest guy ever. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes was the greatest arm now NFL has ever seen. Couldn't even out-throw Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill had to slow down and turn around to catch the ball on that 75-yard touchdown. Yeah, it's just, to me, it's just... Todd Bowles is a good defensive coordinator. He's a good defensive coach. I like him a lot for, you know, a, a defensive job. But how can you not help out your cornerback more? You need to get a safety in there to help him in coverage. You have to double-team te- double Tyreek Hill. And that's the thing with the Chiefs, though, is that they have so many offensive weapons that it's also maybe looking in the mind of Todd Bowles that he's thinking, well, if I double-team Tyreek, then you have Travis Kelsey still, you have Clyde and Bell in the backfield, McCole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, and now Sammy Watkins because he's back and healthy. So it's like if you know if they're going to double team Tyreek, he'll still find a way to get catches. He's Tyreek Hill; he'll get open. Yeah, but I mean, it'll definitely be harder. But then all the other guys, you know, are destroying the rest of the team. Yeah, I mean, you had Tony Romo pointing it out because you know he loves to point out things and predict the future in the NFL scheme. And he had he was showing the coverages last night. They were double team Hill and Kelsey, and but like they still had Sammy Watkins, Demarcus Robinson, Clyde, Clyde, Le'Veon. On the other side, they had, you know, there's still three great playmakers that are, and one of them is going to win a one-on-one matchup. So, like, you could take away Hill, you could take away Kelsey, obviously, but there's just too many people. Yeah, and... You just got to kind of play man up three deep every time. Yep, and the Chiefs are definitely, like, the 100% favorite going, you know, into the season. They definitely are now. They could definitely go to the Super Bowl and win it again. I don't care if the Steelers end up, you know, this end the season 16 to no. I really don't. Or 15 to no because, you know, let's just say any situation like that, right? Doesn't matter. The Chiefs are going to get to the Super Bowl and they probably will win it. They are just unstoppable. They are the matchup or the duo of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes is going to be one that is going to be unstoppable for a long time. Well, it remains to be seen how that steel curtain defense, which is kind of the Steelers' calling card, always has been. But for right now, at least, obviously the offense is still good with Big Ben. But that defense has like 12 first-round picks on their team. So yeah, we'll see how they do against the Chiefs in probably the conference game, which is likely heading to be. Especially, too, like, you know, I feel like the Steelers, I, I don't know exactly off the top of my head because I would have to look at their schedule but even though I I know they've been doing well in terms of scoring with like fantasy points, the defense, but I feel like they also kind of have given up a, a decent amount of points in their wins, I think. Except for the Jaguars, because that's not that hard. Let me see. I, I could be wrong on this. All right. So, I mean, starting off with week one against the Giants, you have 16 points. That's, that's fine. 21, 21, 29, 7. 24, 24, 19, 10, and 3. And then for the rest of the schedule, what? I mean, the highest the highest number out there is 24, and that's that obviously stands off the chart. You look at teams give up 30, 40 points a week, and the highest they've given up all season is 24 points. That's three touchdowns and a field goal. That's very probably the lowest scoring defense. And then, let me see. It said, I don't know what Google is doing right now, but look at this. It says it have Ravens back-to-back. They were supposed to play the Ravens, I think, next week is their bye. So they were going to have a bye and play the Ravens again? Or something like, yeah. But that's probably the original schedule and then what it is now. Yeah, that's everything. Where okay, well, e- either way, to, to the point is that, I, I guess, yeah, the Steelers' defense are doing better than I thought. I haven't really, honestly, watched much Steelers' games. 
if I'm being completely honest, because we obviously just don't get them here, and they haven't really been on prime time that much. But uh, I, I just I feel like the Steelers are just a very like they're eleven and zero. You, you you can't say anything is wrong with that, but I feel like it's like a a weaker eleven and zero just because they had a like a an easier schedule. Mm. Am I wrong for thinking that? No, yeah, they're 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 real only like signature win was over the Titans a week or a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So it, that's the only thing with me is that I'm kind of like conflicted on what to believe with that. And but I, I think the other solid team record-wise that beat was the Browns. I mean, very quietly, the Browns have the third best record in the AFC. Yeah, the eight and three. But again, almost lost to Jacksonville though. Again, yeah, the Browns also have that easy schedule. You know, the AFC North, I guess, has the easy schedule this year. Yeah. So. We'll see what happens there. Hopefully that game will get played, even just, just to bring that up again. But let's get to some more COVID-19 issues in the NFL because it's really this whole entire week has been a week that the NFL wants to forget. And let's move on to the Denver Broncos and their quarterback situation. So backup quarterback, Brett Ripien. I think that's how you say it. Ripkin, Ripien, something like that. Sorry, Brett Ripien, if we're saying your name wrong. But it is what it is. He tested positive for COVID-19, so he goes on the list. But in the quarterback room, let's just say there are some quarterbacks, three of them, that were around him not wearing a mask. So technically, they were in close contact with him, which means by NFL rule, they get placed on the COVID-19 reserve list as well. So that means all of the Chargers quarterbacks were on the COVID-19 list, and they had... Chargers, no, Broncos. Broncos, I said Chargers. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, I'm all over the place today. The Broncos had no starting quarterbacks going into their matchup against the Saints. So they're looking, they're figuring something out. They, you know, reached out to the NFL, asked if the quarterback coach or an assistant coach could go in and play for them. The NFL shut that down, because clearly that can't happen. So they went to a practice squad wide receiver, Kendall Hinton. He started that quarterback for the Broncos against the Saints, and he managed up one reception, or one completion, excuse me, seven passing attempts, and two interceptions. Not shocked, because yeah. that's something you, is not easy to do. You are a practice squad wide receiver. You randomly get brought up into the situation, really not knowing the offense that much, and especially as a quarterback. Right. And, and yeah, I mean, you just, <laughs> I, it's just an unfortunate situation. You really hope this kid, you know. Kendall Hinton, Hinton or whatever. You, you just hope he doesn't become like a punchline or something like this because this kid was thrown into the most unfortunate uh, situation that he could have possibly ever had. He half the team, half the people on the Broncos said they had no clue who this guy is, and they're now his teammates. He's throwing them the ball, and they've never seen him or heard of him before. It's just the most bizarre situation that's probably ever going to happen in the NFL. And this kid never really had a chance to do anything at all, really. I mean, first off, the, he looked like a, a high schooler out there playing with those guys. He was tiny. Like, he would get shoved and go flying. So, can't imagine how his body is feeling today. Yeah, no. And, and then, he couldn't even make it at Wake Forest as a starting quarterback. Yeah. And they made him a receiver. So, you know, obviously, whatever he may be in the NFL, definitely not a quarterback, maybe a receiver running back. But you just hope he gets another chance some some point down the line and this is not Kendall Hilton's NFL career right there. Yeah, and the thing with Hinton, too, is that, you know, I would understand, like, you know, maybe if he had a little more time to kind of, like, learn the offense a little more, but this happened on Saturday in the afternoon. That gives you less than a day. 
to figure out or really get ready for this moment right now because and let's not forget too they were going up against the Saints who the Saints defense has been playing really really well this year and you just think it was just an unfortunate situation for the Denver Broncos and Kendall Hidden. But the thing is, too, is that Vic Fangio said it in a press conference. You know, he was really disappointed with his quarterbacks because there's little things that in today's world that if you just would, if they would have just had the mask on, they would have been able to play, even if it was Blake Bortles right. or somebody. You know, actually a quarterback who has played in this league and, and has reps. You know, it's the same thing for Drew Locke. You know, you're a starting quarterback in the NFL for this Denver Broncos team. You need to manage to not make stupid mistakes like that. It's just the reality of the world we're living in right now. And just wear a mask when you need to, and everything will go as planned for now. It, it it's just it's was such stupidity and an opportunity that was you know that just sucks for the Broncos. You know. No, yeah, Vic, and Vic Fangio is a hundred percent like they're they're grown men. They need to take accountability and like. To the credit of Drew Locke, whether you like him or not as a guy, as a quarterback or whatever, he came out and said it was my fault. I didn't wear the mask. Um, I should have had it on, blah, blah, blah. Take full responsibility. I mean, you just like, whether you're a Broncos fan or a fan of this guy, like, you'd like to see that in an athlete. Because a lot of these athletes, whether it comes to something like that or playing bad or testing positive for some sort of, you know, banned substance, oh, I had no clue how it got in my body or... Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I would thought I made a good play or something like that. He came out and said, yeah, I messed up. I shouldn't have done it. I won't do it again. And that's what you like to hear. So hopefully we don't see a situation like that in Denver again. Or really any whole, NFL team. Yeah, hopefully the the whole league takes note and won't let a slip like this happen. Yeah, it just, that that was something crazy. Like, I remember I was at work that night and I'm seeing Schefter tweet this and I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, I'm like, really? I was like, is this really happening right now? Like, because I thought, obviously, you had some positive tests, you know, one one to five, you know, with through each fifth, all, I mean, all 32 teams. So, you know, that's understandable throughout it. And I thought, okay, you know what? The season's actually going better than expected. And then all this stuff is happening this week. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, is the NFL, like, about to collapse? Is the season about to shut down? Like, I know they wouldn't want to do that. They're going to lose out on so much money. But just thinking, like, everything that was happening, I was thinking, worst case scenario, like, the season's going to end. You know, and, and what's going to happen there and how they're going to jump around this. And I know, obviously, that's a little bit, like, of overreacting. But just of looking at, you know, what happened, I'm just, like, thinking, you know, th- like, this is crazy. And also, I just want to say, too, from – got it wrong, before, by the way. Jeff Driscoll was the one who tested positive for COVID on Thursday. And then Drew Locke, Brett Ripien, and Blake Bortles did not wear masks and were deemed high-risk close contacts. So they were out for Sunday, and that's what kind of started everything. So that was four four quarterbacks that tested positive, not three. So there's that. So, again, we're going to hope we don't see any type of situations like this going forward. But before we continue our talk about COVID-19, because there was another, you know, some more news that broke from it with the San Francisco 49ers, I want to remind every everybody again that you can follow us on Twitter if you haven't already. Uh, it's at diving into the end zone or excuse me. It's actually, it's at D I T E Z podcast at D I T E Z podcast. But if you search us diving into the end zone, will pop up a little gray logo, like you see on Spotify. And pretty much if you want to reach out to us on there, you know, we're obviously like giving our opinions on some news that breaks throughout the week. So, you know, if you want to see that, you can reach out to us, you know, in our DMS as well. But if you also wanted to send an email at all, that email is Diving into the end zone at gmail.com. Again, diving into the end zone at gmail.com. 
be able to reach out, share whatever questions or thoughts you have, something that maybe we said, and we'll, you know, make sure to shout you out, say, you know, thanks for, you know, whatever, and we'll get to your question, comment, concern, whatever it is. Let's continue our talk now. The San Francisco 49ers have to play their next two home games in Arizona due to California's new COVID rule, which is, I believe, in Santa Clara, pretty much they're shutting down for three weeks and all contact sports are ending at all levels, including obviously the NFL. So the 49ers had to find a new home. Thankfully, the Arizona Cardinals were willing to share their stadium. Obviously, I don't really think they had much of an input on it, but obviously a lot of stuff had to be figured out there and now they have to play in Arizona, which is like something that, again, it's just like, it's such an annoying situation that that is even the case. I mean, San Francisco didn't have any fans in their arena in their stadium anyway, so it's not like that really might change. They actually might, could get some fans, I think, in Arizona, because I think Arizona was allowing some fans to be able to come and watch their team play. But again, it's just another situation that it's just like this year has just been so bad, and you just hope that this will all end soon, because it's something that Kyle Shanahan come out and said it too. It was all in the news today. I was actually watching, and pretty much he was just mad and pissed off that they didn't even receive a warning. So they had time to really think about it and really be able to figure it out more. Because pretty much they had to figure it out in like 24 hours. Right. Because that's an issue that, you know, just to make sure you know where you're playing is, you know, that's a big thing. You need to have a stadium to play in. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's kind of comparable to when a player finds out they get traded by like reading Adam Adam Schefter tweet. It's like they had no clue. You know, most of these teams or whatever had to follow their guidelines in state from their governors, their mayors or whatever. Because... I mean, they all have. Everybody has to follow the rules in this world, and then Santa Clara County just comes out and said, "Yep, you guys can't practice here anymore. You can't play your games. Go find somewhere else. Like, have a nice day." And I mean, the 49ers themselves have just gone through so much with the injuries, the COVID, a little bit of a COVID outbreak on their team, and just not living up to expectations, not having their players, and then now this getting backhanded with having to move. These players are not allowed to see their families anyway for the most part and now they have to move to a, another state it's just one thing after another and, and you and go ahead finish up sorry i'm finished you finished okay so and also just really that who the owner of the 49ers should really look into maybe like really like kind of renting out a hotel for the next two weeks for these players almost type of do like you know like a little bubble system for the niners because where are they gonna, you know, where are they gonna sleep and live for these next two weeks? Thankfully, it's back-to-back games where they're home, so they can kind of just deal with that. And the next game, they're away, and then they'll get that all figured out. But you think? I know Chris Johnson during, you know, the small training camp that they had, he rented out a hotel for the players so that they didn't have to, you know, figure out where to go or whatever the case was. And you it's know, nice. it's nice to have money. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that. Think about how expensive that might be, but it's something that. For if you're the head of the 49ers, you probably have to consider. So you limit the risk of the players. And, you know, you already have to deal with this unfortunate situation. You would hate for it to get worse with some more COVID-19 testing. And like you said, for the 49ers as a whole, the season has really been hard to watch, starting off with all the injuries, like you mentioned. You know, you're actually probably starting to get back Richard Sherman. But, you know, he was obviously out for a majority of the season. Nick Bosa is gone. Jimmy Garofalo has been hurt the whole time. Must Mostert is back now, but he obviously was dealing with a high ankle sprain for a while, and many more players on that team. Especially a bigger one I forgot to name is George Kittle. Yep, he's probably gone. the best, 
you know, player on that team is now gone. Mm-hmm. One of the best overall weapons on offense in the receiving and running game. I mean, obviously he doesn't run the ball. Not the best tight end in the league, though. Uh, I say he's the most complete tight end in the league, definitely. I think it's Kelsey. I don't think Kelsey blocks that much. I think I think Kelsey's a glorif- a big wide receiver. Really? That's that's I mean he just he's not allowed to play receiver because he's too big. So I mean, okay, yes, but I I think I would say that he does block pretty well. And I think I, mean, I think that also what gets him open a lot too is that, you know, as a tight end in this league, the key thing to being a very good tight end in this league, which bo- I think both of these guys have, Alex thinks it's Kittle more, you have to block and you have to be able to get open. And what that... So I, I remember watching an interview between, I think it was Gronk, Shannon Sharp, and one other tight end. Um, what the hell is his name? Describe him. Uh, the, the Chiefs and Falcons. I can't, Tony Gonzalez. Oh, I can't believe... Wow. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm not, <laughs> I had a really uh, bad loss right there, all right? Maybe my brain cells are just collapsing. But anyways... They had an interview, and they're saying the key thing about being a good tight end in this league, you block first. You're blocking, you're blocking, you're blocking. Then you get off the blocker. Everyone on the defense forgets that you're actually a weapon that could be thrown to, and then you're open. Like, obviously, it comes yeah, from... Yeah, so, so it's a block and release play. You know, you see that all the But, time. like, constantly, though. Like the, But, I mean, the, if you watch the Chiefs scheme, Kelsey doesn't block that much, and he doesn't do the block and release. He runs routes. He is not even on the line of scrimmage half the time. I feel like that, eh, maybe, all right, fine. I, I will say he probably, he lines up just as a route runner a majority of the time. Obviously, if it's a run time. play, yeah, he's running. But you don't see him ever, if it's a pass play, he's running a route. You don't ever see him blocking from Patrick Mahomes. If it's a pass play, he's running a route. But that's <laughs> also because he's such a, a a key target for them and that he always gets open, too. You know, maybe they want to use him more like in that style. Right, but it's just, as his kiddo, but... You know, you run the play actions where you see Kittle blocking, and you think, oh, it's got to be a run. Kittle's blocking. And then they hit Debo Samuel or someone uh, deep down the middle, and it's a big play. Chiefs don't really do that type of thing with Kelsey. He's he's a big wide receiver. I feel like, okay, maybe I'm giving him a little bit too much credit. Maybe he doesn't block as much, but I feel like you also, I feel like he does block a little more than you are Listen, saying. I'm not saying he's I'm not saying he's a bad blocker. I'm just saying he does not block that much. There's a difference. I'm not saying his blocking no, skills I mean, are terrible. No, I know, I know. All right, well, we can save that debate for another day. But if I had to pick a number one tight end I'd want on my team, it is Kelsey, definitely, overall. I, I Just just my opinion. But if you're listening and, you know, maybe you have a different opinion, feel free to reach out to us, and that would be definitely cool. I'll, maybe even after we finish recording this episode, I'll get to Twitter, I'll put a little poll out there, and we'll see what everybody else says. And then we'll go for there, and we'll post the results, The uh, or we'll talk about the results next episode. We'll do that. But let's continue our talk. Still have a lot to get to. Matt Patricia finally, 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 finally gets fired as the head coach of the Detroit Lions, along with general manager Bob Quinn. Yeah, I mean... Obviously, he didn't inherit a very talented Detroit Lions team. But um, the whole idea for him was kind of like Brian, Brian Flores down in Miami. What he's done with Miami was to build around, change around the culture. You know, the New England way, the Patriot way. Uh, all these guys who come from Belichick. You know, that's their kind of thing. You know, the, the, the Patriot way. You could Vrabel in Tennessee. He's had success now. You look at Flores in Miami and you just have to wonder if the Lions are sitting there looking at what 
Flores did with Miami and what Vrabel's done in Tennessee. And they're like, Patricia, come on. Like, let's get it together. You got one more chance. Like, yeah. like look how quickly they did it. Look at them. Look at their success they're having. And we're still here. Mediocre town in Detroit. And I think, you know, a lot of that also comes to just Brian Flores is also just, he definitely has more of a personality than Matt Patricia. And I feel like just also as a team leader and really getting along with his players, I think Flores, you can you already see it now, kind of right off the bat, he did a much better job than Patricia and kind of getting to know your players. You know, like, I'm your coach when I need to be, but I'm also family and friend to you as well. And I feel like that is a chemistry that you're really looking for in an NFL coach. You know, you want to make sure that he has that chemistry with his players and, you know, can able, you know, to be almost a dad for them, if you will say. Right. Yeah, no, Brian Flores has definitely done well with that. Patricia's more of a tough love type of guy. He comes directly from the Belichick line where, you know, he teaches, he leads by example, not like kind of hugs and holds your hands type of guy. Yeah, and to be fair too, I mean, if you're looking at it from Patricia's standpoint in terms of what he was really brought into, like you said, it really wasn't overall the best team. But the thing is, is that Jim Caldwell kind of got fired unexpectedly, where, you know, he, he was really, he had solid seasons with the team. He managed to miss the playoffs, so I guess eventually they just thought, you know, let's bring in a new face. But a lot of the Detroit Lions fan bases and players were very un, unhappy about that move. So it's like, all right, Patricia, you're here now. We're kind of pissed that Caldwell got fired, so we need you to do better than him and prove us that it was the right move. Clearly, he did not get that done. And to me, also, it's just like, I feel so bad for Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford is a very good quarterback in this league, and he's definitely underappreciated, and it's because that he hasn't had much to work with. I know he had Calvin Johnson, okay? Obviously, one of the best wide receivers to play the game. I'm not saying that at all. But the thing is, is that he didn't really ha ever have a defense. And, and then once Calvin Johnson retired, he obviously retired early. Yeah, he has Kenny Galladay now and TJ Hawkinson, but the team overall, just being coached now at Matt Patricia, everything, yeah, I mean, and every situation he's been in Stafford, was awful. Yeah, he's one of the better quarterbacks on one of the worst teams, and it's got a, it starts with the organization. You mentioned Calvin Johnson, obviously a Hall of Fame receiver, but part of the reason why he retired early is because of the dysfunction in the in the Detroit and how they treat their players some of the times and how little they care towards or what it seems uh, to how little they care about winning and whatnot. And, like, you look at Megatron now, he doesn't really have a relationship with the Lions after his career's over. He's just kind of disappeared off the radar. Like, a lot of people say that's what type of guy it is, but he's come out publicly and said that the Lions have not treated him well and he would love to, you know, have a... Have a... I don't a know. A role with the team? Yeah, I mean, a reunion is the what I was looking for, you know, like, with the Lions. But they just don't reach out to him and they... They don't want that. It's just they don't treat their players too well. It's, you like think it's something with Detroit or whatnot, but maybe Matthew Stafford gets off the team in a couple of years and hopefully he could excel in some kind of role, kind of like Philip Rivers. Obviously, different with the Chargers and whatnot, but towards the end of his career, give it a little one more run with another team type of thing. Yeah, and actually, just bringing up Philip Rivers and the Colts, I was thinking uh, one thing I said in the offseason last year that I thought maybe could happen is that the Colts somehow acquire. Matt Stafford in a trade, which I understand his contract is very hefty, so it would be hard for a team to do that. But because the Lions at the time, they had the number three overall pick. So I thought, hmm, maybe if they want to take one of these younger quarterbacks and kind of just take this, you know, in a different direction, 
But that's the type of situation where right now I could maybe see, you know, for the Lions, do they look to get rid of Matt Stafford maybe even this year? You're going to be getting a fresh face as a head coach. The team clearly isn't winning anything anytime soon. Maybe you kind of look to, you know, a little bit of a restart, you know, and get it done now, get it done early and get this thing going so that, you know, the next in the next two years, maybe you could be competing in the NFC North division, which is a good one. With, yeah. You know, with the Packers leading the way, the Vikings who definitely are underperforming this year, but still have a lot of star talent, starting with Dalvin Cook and now Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. And then the Bears who, they are, they're probably, if you look at it, if the Lions get this rebuild done, like I'm saying they would in two years, the Bears would definitely be the worst team in the division by far. Because they're, their next couple of years are a little rough in terms of trying to avoid some contracts and clearing up some cap space to be able to keep some of those players. Mm-hmm. But I feel like maybe that could be a situation that the, the Detroit Lions look into. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what head coach is really going to be wanting to take that job. Like if I'm, if I have all the head coaching Adam options, Gase maybe. <laughs> if Adam Gase somehow manages to get a another head coaching job, even just another job in this league, I would be shocked. Yeah, he would. He should for sure win. Go down as a Hall of Fame con artist. Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, just on the topic, do the Bears have their first round pick this year? The first year since the Cleo Mack trade, right? They finally have a first round pick this year? I think so. Maybe it's the year they move to get rid of Mitchell Trubisky and finally take their own quarterback. Maybe you see them tank a little bit the second half of the year now that they know that they stink on offense. I mean, yeah, they are 0-5 right now. They started off 5-1 and one, managed a little... And maybe you see a little move up for uh, Justin Fields, you know? maybe Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But a lot of people are saying that with the season that Fields is having right now, obviously, that he's going top three. Yeah, yeah. And then also, Matt Nagy could be on his way out as well. Even though at first, you know, that really first season... Coach of the year. Yeah, you know, you're thinking coach of the year, and now it kind of just like looks like it's falling apart. And, you know, by the way, some of the players are reacting on social media. It's like they really lost a lot of respect for Matt Nagy. And it's kind of the same situation that you saw for... Matt Patricia in Detroit, especially with Darius Slay, starting out when he was with the team, he made sure to voice that he was unhappy and he was not quiet about it. And then even I, I made sure to tweet about it on whenever he, what, when did he get fired on? I think it was Friday or Saturday, a couple days after the loss on Thanksgiving. And Darius Slay made sure to tweet the, like, you know, the, just the two eye emojis, like saying like, oh, look what happened, you know? Yeah. It's, it's almost like, you know, he was right about it or whatever. And I don't know what was going on in Detroit, but clearly Matt Patricia wasn't the answer there. And again, I really think they could look into some type of rebuild. You know, Matt Stafford is a guy that you can't just straight up release because of the contract situation. So trying to trade him is going to be hard because it's a matter of who can be able to, you know, take on that contract. But I think, you know, Matt Stafford is the type of guy that you can maybe see that happening. Mm -hmm, Definitely. You can even see like, you know, I mean, this wouldn't happen. Maybe he wouldn't get traded in the division, but like a team like Minnesota, if they move on for Kirk, yeah, which is very possible at the end very of this year. Possible. I mean, I mean, you look at it at the beginning of the year, you say, "Oh, this guy's got a," you know, they drafted a young quarterback. They got a young quarterback. Beginning of every year, it seems like, well, nobody really needs a quarterback next year, and then the off season comes, and there's five, six teams who need a quarterback. Some team, a couple of teams every year, always going to be a quarterback. There's never. No. No team always finds the answer. It's, there's always going to be an open vacancy for the quarterback position. Yeah, you, you can even think, you know, just two NFC East teams, 
maybe if the Eagles somehow manage to just want to get you know move on from Wentz, even though again that's another contract that it's hard I think to get it's, rid uh, of coming to an end shortly. Yeah, There's so not that much time left on it. I mean, I I think they would like to give Jalen Hurts a little tryout first and see how that goes, but that's possible. You know, Washington now, you know, Dwayne Haskins isn't the answer there. I know they have Alex Smith who, you know, is playing decent for them right now, yeah. but, you know, you don't know how long he's going to be there for. Yeah, I mean, he's practically one hit away from his deathbed. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, really, though. And then just thinking also, like, again, maybe even the Colts again, too. If Phillip Rivers doesn't, I mean, I know he's playing well right now, but, you know, maybe if they realize, you know, depending on how far they get into the playoffs, if they didn't really like how he played, because I feel like he's had an on-and-off season, even though he's led them to, what, 7-4 and four now, which is good. I'm not saying it's not, but... He's clearly older than yeah. Stafford. Maybe they, you look to... They, I mean, he played well this Sunday, but they kind of got embarrassed a little bit by the Colts. Yeah. I mean, the Titans. They, they the also Colts. didn't have DeForest Buckner leading the way for the defense, yeah, and they actually Derek were missing... Henry just walked down their throat. <laughs> Three first-half touchdowns, 185 yards. It's definitely a lot, and very, very impressive by Derrick Henry, clearly turning into one of the best running backs in this league. But, yeah, I mean, going back to the just Detroit Lions real quick, Lions fans, I'm happy for you. You got your wish. Matt Patricia's gone. As a Jets fan, I'm sure, you know, Alex and I are sitting, hoping, waiting for that to happen eventually. But we all know, come to reality, that Joe Douglas is purposely keeping Adam Gase to the end of the season because it gives him the best chance to go 0-16. So we'll just have to fight through the awful, awful football team they are. And just to bring up the Jets real quick, because this is kind of trending. This is not just me bringing up the Jets because, you know, I want to bring up the Jets. Because since we kind of you know are moving past that lines topic, who is play calling for the New York Jets? Who knows? Because clearly it is something that is they can't figure out. It was Dowell Logan's for like the past two weeks, but Gase one hundred percent, like one hundred and ten percent, took back the job. Okay, it was reported that on Sunday, and it's clear just based off the expression that he's having on the sideline the past two or this past week. He's definitely back to making the player calls. Fritz Samini and Adam Gase have a nice battle every single press conference. We know it. We see the tweets. It's hilarious. They've been going back and forth with each other because Fritz Samini knows he's an idiot. Adam Gase is an ignorant word I can't say right now. I mean, technically I can because we are a podcast, but I want to try to avoid those words. Anyways, and the guy is saying that... Logan's is calling the plays on first and second down, and he's coming for the you know decisions on third down, whatever. Which also is just makes it ten times harder than it needs to be. It's just so bizarre. <laughs> like it's so bizarre what's going on in New York. Like we have seen some pretty bad seasons as Jets fans, but this equally is the worst. But it is the most fun. Going zero and sixteen is better than going three and thirteen because you have, you're gonna have the first pick. It's fun if it happens, and it's just like I feel like it's just more entertaining. Because you want them to lose, but you look to the younger guys who can step up and play well and possibly keep their spot on this team. But Adam Gase is just clearly a joke. No, yeah, Adam Adam Gase is one of the biggest circus clowns we've seen in quite some time. The Jets defense. And we had Rex Ryan as our head coach. Yeah. The Jets defense really, really played well against Miami yesterday. But the thing is, is that when the two Did turnovers the happened... Did the defense play well or was Ryan Fitzpatrick starting a quarterback? I mean, look what he did the first time. Yeah, but, I mean, he hasn't played in a couple weeks, so he's kind of rusty. Okay, fair, but I feel like the they were able to force up some fumbles, you know? They made some plays when they needed to. 
I understand maybe you could say Ryan Fitzpatrick hasn't looked as sharp as he has in the past, but right. I, I still feel like you know it's something to notice that how bad this team has been for the 11 weeks that you know at least the spotlight yeah. when they played well, especially starting out with Quinn and Williams, he looked great. Yeah, yesterday. I mean, comparative to where they've been, yeah, they kind of they played well. You know, against a subpar offense, but you know, you take what you could take with this team. Yeah, and they managed to again, you know, force two turnovers that you know put the offense up in a good spot. Mm-hmm. And we got uh, zero points yeah, off of. Yeah, couldn't even put up a point. So that starts with the play calling. It starts with the execution of the players. It starts with everything on offense. I can't even blame just one thing. I mean, like, obviously yeah, I mean, the it's main... It's hard to blame one person when you have 17 people calling the plays. Yeah. And then also starting... And then Sam Darnold really looking, like, completely lost. Yeah. Like, destroyed. His, his trade value is as low as it could be. It probably is going to get worse. But I guess that's okay if that means they're going to be going 0-16, which I know is, you know, it's a little selfish of me to say. But at this point, you know, if you still want Sam Darnold on this team, I don't know what you're watching. It's unfortunate. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. Joe Flacco looked better than Sam Darnold looked. I that, ha- that's saying something because he's not, he's not it. He's, he's old. He's not what he used to be. I just, I, I hate to say it too, but it's like Sam Darnold, clearly his time is going to come to an end here in New York. I'm going to root for him wherever he goes, and I hope that a new team, a fresh start, could revamp his career because clearly the Jets ruined it by not getting him any help, and Adam Gase was the worst thing that could have happened to Sam Darnold because he did not help his development at all, and he is a clueless wreck that is not a quarterback guru, he's not an offensive guru, and he should be kicked out of the league because how bad he is. He doesn't. He, he would make a high school football team, a little league football team, go 0-16. He just can't teach anything. He's an idiot. I don't care how long he's been. If it wasn't for Peyton Manning, this guy wouldn't have a job. He didn't do anything. He was just a quarterback coach and offensive coordinator for w- w- along with Peyton Manning for some of the years. And because Peyton Manning managed to play well and control pretty much everything, somehow Adam Gase is his guru because of what Peyton Manning was doing. It's all Peyton Manning's fault. I hate him for it now. I hate Adam Gase. He's bad. It, it, he's, he's terrible. Every, and the thing is that it's a universal feeling between NFL fans. It's not even just Jets fans anymore. Adam Gase is making himself look like a moron everywhere. Press conference, on the sideline, play calling, whatever he's doing, he's a moron. And he needs. To, it's going to come to an end. I love you, Sam. I hope you do well. But I'm ready for Trevor Lawrence. Like, even some players were saying, oh, he has no weapons or he still has no protection. Or no, some fans were saying he has no weapons or protection. Like, okay, I understand that's true, but it's just, it's going to happen. Well, like I said, you look, you look the way Joe Flacco saw with the same team. He he played well. He, you know, the receivers had like a hundred yards, two touchdowns. He's not Joe Flacco's not really much of a dump it down. So Crowder didn't do too well. But Crowder's a very good slot receiver in this league. He's been playing well the last year, year and a half on this Jets team. He's really outperformed expectations by far. And Denzel Mims and Rajar Perryman look like I wouldn't say two legit receivers, but two legit deep threats. And obviously Mims is still young. Perryman is what he is. He's a deep threat. He's kind of settled into his role in the league. But Mims has looked very good, both with the run after the catch and making some of these spectacular catches, whether they count or not. Yeah, and that's something, too, you know, I just think about that everybody seems to forget is that, you know, Joe Douglas, this first draft of his, it seems like he's hit on a lot of the players. You know, it starts out with Mekhi Becton at left tackle. Looks like he's going to be a star in this league here if he's not already. And he's leading. He is leading in tackle votes for the Pro Bowl. That's insane. I I was shocked when I saw that. Like, I thought maybe, like, 
he can have a chance to make the Pro Bowl, but leading the votes at his position, no, yeah, I, mean, I would have never expected that. Yeah, I mean, you talk about a guy who's obviously going to come to be a fan favorite for us Jets fans, but, I mean, you look at what he does on the field. He just mauls guys, and it doesn't matter what team you root for. If you see that and you like football and this guy's absolutely destroying every defensive yeah. end that comes in front of you, it's hard not to root for that guy. He managed to shut down Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram of the Los Angeles Chargers, who also, let's not forget, are some of the best pass rushers in this league. He managed to shut them down. Joey Bosa faced them for one drive and switched to the other side. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you know, that he has that impact on players, and he will continue to do that for a long time. But then just looking at some other guys, like, you, you know, you mentioned Denzel Mims has looked really good so far, like you said, with yards after the catch and just managing to make these some impressive grabs. LaMichael Piran, for the time we saw, he now is on the IR with his eye ankle sprain, so we probably... At this point, I really don't think we'll see him for the rest of the season just because there's no reason to risk it. But for the times that he got snaps, because he did struggle for them because somehow Frank Gore, 37-year-old, is outplaying everybody. But anyways, he looked good when he played. And then you have, you know, Ashton Davis has had his ups and downs, but still progress. And then also even Bryce Hall, the fifth-round pick out of Virginia, cornerback, he's looked good too. You know, obviously there were some questions about James Morgan, that fourth-round pick, understandable. Stupid pick. Stupid pick. You should have, been, should have taken another wide receiver, but A. And then you have another question is offensive tackle, Cameron Clark. He's really been hurt the entire year. He managed to play this, this week, or he's activated this week. He didn't play much. So obviously there still are some questions, but like just looking at his first draft overall, it's impressive to see some of these late-round picks get into the lineup because this is something that, as a Jets fan, you haven't seen for a really, really long time. Joe Douglas is a smart guy. He knows what he's doing. He has $80-plus million in cap space. He will manage to get more with releasing some of the players that, you know, he's, you know, he, he signed, starting with the offensive line. Guys like literally all four of them that he managed to sign. Alex Lewis, who I know is re-signed, but they can get out of that contract if they want to. Connor McGovern, who's been awful at center, he he will definitely be released and can get out of that contract. Greg Van Roten as well, and George Fant, if they wanted to. I think George Fant and Van Roten stay because they've been impressive in terms of, eh, not impressive, but holding down their own. But Better than nothing. Yeah, better than Lewis and McGovern. But you know, it's just, and the draft capital too. I, I just, I hate this scenario, and this is really why I'm getting into it. It's just like that the Jets like, are going to be lost, and they're going to ruin Trevor Lawrence and all this stuff. Like, I understand in the past, yes, the Jets have ruined quarterbacks. They haven't had good teams, whatever. This is different, though. Joe Douglas is starting everything, you know, different. All Jets fans, whenever we get to free agency, we'd always want them to sign a lot of free agents, and that's how we'd build our team. But that's where we were all wrong and what past general managers were wrong with. You don't build your team throughout free agency. You just add touches to it. This is a video game. It's not a video game. This is real life. You had to develop your own players. Exactly. It all starts in the draft. Yeah, you look at the teams with sustained success. They all all draft well year in, year out. And, like, a lot of, for the most part, having a high pick is great and all, but there's really only one or two, like, for sure, fire players at the top of the draft every year. Most of these all-pro, pro-bowl caliber players come from the later half of the the first round because – those teams know how to draft year in, year out. They draft good players. Yeah. It doesn't matter where they draft. They know how to draft. And then just looking at it like a team like the Chiefs, they've drafted a lot of their offensive talent. And then you look at the dip, 
the defensive side of the ball, they managed to trade for Frank Clark. You know, that's a little touch that they needed to add in free agency. The Honey Honey Badger, uh, you know, he managed to hit free agency after Houston. You know, it was something like that. You know, if you have success with drafting, you just make little touches in free agency, which I understand players like Frank Clark and Honey Badger are more than just little touches. They're very good players, and they're showing that on the field for the Chiefs. But I'm saying in a sense that the Jets in the past years have strictly tried to build their team throughout free agency with these massive contracts, and that's clearly something that hasn't worked. And for once, there's something different happening here. And obviously, there's still always going to be those free agents you are going to want the Jets to go out and sign. It's just for, it comes from being a fan. Starting out with me, I know I've said it a lot. I'm sure you can guess who it is. Alan Robinson. Exactly. Alan Robinson is a guy that you know most likely could hit the open market, and I think that is the perfect number one target, number one wide receiver for Trevor Lawrence, if that is the case. Of course, you know you can tell Alan Robinson will pay you. You're coming to New York, and you're going to catch passes from Trevor Lawrence. How could he say no? Anyways, but it's going to be different for the New York Jets. Jets fans, if you're listening to this, it's going to, it, it's going to be different, okay? It, it will eventually work out. It will all start... It's it, We're sacrificing a lot here, but it, it'll work out. And we'll hope this new coach, whoever it will be, will turn things around too. My, my pick is Joe Brady, but we'll see what happens. Who would you pick? I don't know. I'm not into college and all that. It's not necessarily college. Bill Belichick would be a good choice. <laughs> Maybe Andy Reid. Yeah. I feel like I'd rather Andy Reid because Belichick, you know, definitely doesn't like the Jets... But, all right, you have anything else you want to throw in? Anything about, you know, maybe some of the Sunday games? I know you kind of already got to talk about Tyreek Hill a little bit. Yeah, but you look at Tyreek any- Hill, uh, Derrick Henry. You look at Antonio Gibson on Thursday. There were some massive performances this week. A lot of guys had some stellar outings. I mean, you look at, uh, what was his name on the Panthers? Jeremy Chin, young safety, had two fumble recoveries for a touchdown in a matter of 10 seconds back-to-back. Making his case for defensive rookie of the year. He already kind of was under the radar for it, but now after that, that I mean, definitely helps him. I mean, and yeah, I definitely another guy like like Justin Jefferson had another eighty yards, two touchdowns. Thielen was out this game, and everybody's uh, so set on uh, handing off that rookie of the year award to Herbert. And don't get me wrong, he's played great, but he's not winning too many games. Throwing a couple picks here and there, Justin Jefferson's balling out as well. So I, I mean, I'm not saying he deserves to win it, but he definitely needs to be right up there, right next to Herbert for the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Yeah, he's definitely in the conversation, and I, I definitely agree with that. I actually was just uh, have on a phone call with my friends, and I, you know, I was saying how I think Justin Herbert, you know, is probably the winner with Burrow going down, but you have to 100% put Justin Jefferson into the conversation because yeah. the way he's playing, if he keeps it up for the rest of the season. I mean, yeah, he could steal that away from her. This is a guy who's balling out right now. He balled out last year with Joe Burrows at LSU, and still everybody's saying, "Nah, he might not be a first round pick." You know, he's too slow. He's too this. He's too that. He runs like a four four at the forty. Like, okay, this guy's kind of fast. Still not a first round pick, and then he's the first (laughs) round pick, and he's, I would say, by far the best receiver out of all those guys. And don't get me wrong, they're all talented. Rugs, you know, Judy. Lamb, all those guys are talented, but Justin Jefferson's playing the best out of all of them right now. You know what's funny too is that you you managed to forget, or you forgot to bring up the one of the wide receivers that were taken that first round. Probably the reason why the Eagles fans are uh, rolling over. Oh, Jalen Rieger. Yep. Yeah. You think the Eagles could have taken Justin Jefferson, and little did they know yeah. they did not do that. Yeah, they could have had Carson Wentz, you know, overthrowing him by ten yards. Yeah. But anyways, 
as we look into the rest of the regular season, you, you know, we got like about we have five weeks left. We hope that the NFL won't have to deal with any type of scenario that they were put through this week. Hopefully, it can get better, but I feel like honestly, it might just get worse heading into the winter. And I mean, hopefully, again, hopefully that I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong with that, but we'll see what happens. We just we'll hope for the best in the NFL and hope everybody stays healthy and they can finish out to the season and get to the playoffs. And then, you know, honestly, if I'm Roger Goodell right now, I'm thinking maybe do I somehow manage to work a bubble system for the playoffs? Definitely should be in consideration. No because doubt about it. For the playoffs, it's possible because it's you know it's. Yeah, you what, really, 14 teams total? I understand it's yeah. still a large staff. Seven, seven teams in each conference. Yeah, seven teams in each contra- conference. It's a large staff, a lot of players. I know it's a lot to handle, but I feel, really feel like you got to be considering it so your playoffs aren't in doubt and you make sure that manages it. Where's the Super Bowl we played this year? I think it's Tampa, right? Uh, yeah, Tampa. So I think you should try and get it there somehow. Maybe not just Tampa, you know, get some of the surrounding area, but if you can maybe stick it with Florida mm-hmm. and have, you know... The AFC take place in Tampa, and then the NFC take place, well, I don't know, Jacksonville, Miami. I know it's farther away, but... Well, they could borrow the NBA's place. <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure. Disney World. How are they going to get a turf? Yeah, they'll figure it out. I mean, I guess they'll just spend the money for a turf. But anyways, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this episode of Diving Into the End Zone. We'll, you know, we'll be back next week. I think we're going to start to record on Mondays. But we'll always keep you updated throughout Twitter if you want to check us out again. And again, that Twitter is at D-I-T-E-Z podcast, at D-I-T-E-Z podcast, and email, diving into the end zone at gmail.com if you want to reach out to us there. We'll be able to answer any questions you have or anything you know like that. And again, you can always DM us on Twitter too. So, I was Dominic Arbolino, like always. He was Alex Warner. We're going to say goodnight. We hope everybody has a great rest of your week without COVID, because we all know we hate it, and so does the NFL.